This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, folks. We're back with the second part of the interview with Avatar X, who prefers not to use his real name. Avatar X founded the largest and best-known community of urban explorers on the internet just over 20 years ago on a website called Urban Exploration Resource, or UER.ca. In the last episode, Avatar X and I talked about the legacy of Ninjalicious and his contribution to urban exploration, but UER was what helped the subject really take off and become such a passion for so many people. If you're new to exploring or just have a casual interest in it, you might never have even heard of UER, but it's hard to overstate the role it's played in the lives of people who seek out abandoned buildings over the last two decades. UER started before social media companies even existed. It beat out MySpace by a year and predates Facebook by two. With companies like Twitter going down in flames and Facebook-owned sites constantly shifting targets for content creators, the idea of a forum that isn't trying to monetize its users for shareholders and solely exists to unite them in the love of a common subject is pretty unheard of. And it's what social media projects like Mastodon and the Fediverse are working to reclaim. UER is part of the old internet, the part that existed before the social media gatekeepers had walled off so much of it. If all of that sounds confusing to you, don't worry, you're the person this episode is for. I'm Matthew Christopher, and you're listening to Abandoned America. Okay, we are back with Avatar X, and first thing I wanted to say to you is we've talked a little bit about UER.ca and the role that it had. We're going to get more into that, but first and foremost, happy 20th anniversary yeah. of the site you founded it in 2002 yeah that is correct so we've we've passed the 20 year mark of uer being on the internet which is uh that makes it older than a lot of things twitter youtube i think possibly even facebook many of the people exploring out there currently <laughs> yep <laughs> that's very true <laughs> so jeez gosh i can't i mean when i started it i didn't think it would be that kind of a thing but here we are you founded what is the biggest and most popular urban exploration website ever. Can I say ever? I mean, I think ever is fair. Yeah. By, by user count, I guess probably. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely probably, I think it's probably the biggest single resource on the internet today for urban exploration. Well, you know, just to throw some numbers at you, and I'm sure you know them better than I do, so please feel free to update them as necessary. But at least in 2005, you said there were 70,000 images on the website. Right now, there's over 9,000 locations in the database just in the U.S. and Canada alone. And I don't know how much... I hope you found the stats page and didn't actually sit there and count them all. No, I, I didn't. I just added... I just added. I looked, I looked at the database and I, I saw what the numbers were. There's 11,200 in total worldwide in the location database. 
And uh, let me see, how many photos did I say? The 70? There's now 330,000 photos just in the database. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. And what about users? I mean, you had thousands of, you have thousands of users there. Yeah, so in terms of, I mean, users is one of those difficult ones to answer because it's like, what do you count as a user? Is it someone who registers and then never logs in again? Or is it someone who posts regularly? There's uh, 78,000 registered users whose accounts are still sort of like not like, they, in other words, they actually confirmed their accounts. But the the number of users who've sort of registered and then maybe deregistered or something is, is much larger. It's probably over 100,000. There's still still people registering. 36 people registered in the last week, according to this page here. So there's still people using the site. I think there's 2 million posts in the forum. Something like that, yeah. Just over 2 million. Uh, I'm just looking at the stats page. One of the things that I think a lot of people maybe don't get now is that like Facebook and Instagram and all of the social media things, I think there, there are other ways that communities have organized and that people have met people that are interested in things. But particularly in the period where this was something that was really growing to prominence in my life, everybody knew everybody through UER. And and that was, I thought, a really amazing thing. That was really the goal of the original site was to provide a place where people could meet and share information. And and there's a lot of, we can talk about this a little bit later, but there's a lot of features on the site that you won't find on other sites or similar sites that are specifically designed with that goal in mind of connecting people and giving them a place to sort of have, have their little space. And I think that, yeah, obviously you can post stuff on Facebook or Instagram or, or whatever, but there's, there, it's, it's not really the same kind of a community connection. Mm-hmm. It's a different experience for sure. I would, I would agree. I'm a big fan of making a bigger statement through a smaller thing. And I think the smaller thing in this case is that you feature a random photo on the homepage. And I think that says a lot about your site. It's something that when you're posting a random photo, that's not about hierarchy. That's not about choice. That's about everybody kind of has their moment in the sun, right? And I think it says a lot too about this concept of this being a resource for everybody. And you've mentioned in interviews, you kind of created the framework, but the people, they're the ones that that created the content. Oh, very much so. Yeah. It wouldn't be anything without all the people adding in everything. So it wouldn't, but you can't, you can't contribute the content without the framework too. creating that home for it and giving people a place where they can do that, where they can feel comfortable. I see that again and again in how you kind of got that out there. And one of the things that I sort of regret is that I have never been a big forum person. Like I'm a member on UER, no. but I never posted a whole lot. And, and to be quite honest with you, I think that has a lot to do with my own maybe insecurities. Like I was kind of like, oh, these people already all know each other. And who am I to come on here and post stuff? They're not going to want to see anything that I post anyway. And looking back at that. You're putting yourself out there, right? You don't know who's going to read it. You don't know who's going to comment. And <laughs> there's certainly, there's certainly, there's been people over the years who've, who've always been very negative or very sort of elitist about, about the hobby. And so I, I totally understand that. Feeling. Well, and and I think now where I'm at, I'm like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I see that's just me. You know, that's that's my <laughs> own neuroses. Well, there's certainly people who post stuff that 
you know, maybe they should have put more thought into it. <laughs> well, sure. And, and I mean, I think that there's certainly a lot of drama, as you alluded to, in the back and forth. And, and that's something that I certainly want to get to. When I look back at it, I, I do kind of wish I had been a little less shy about that and felt a little more confident in myself. My website was something where I, I looked at it as maybe like a little bit of a, like a diary or a journal or something. And I never really thought, oh, people are going to connect with this or want to see it. But I have my own little postage stamp over here, corner of, of the Internet. But going out and putting myself out there was was a little tough. You had everybody that I knew that was exploring, knew who you are, knew the site and knew the majority of the people that they had met through this site, which is mind blowing. It's putting a smile on my face because, you know, you don't necessarily hear these stories, right? I'm just the guy with the with the web server, right? Uh, I, I, I'm every time I hear about someone who met their, their spouse or their best friend, or they've organized a meet or something on the site, I'm just like, man, that's awesome. I'm, I'm just so happy about it. Well, and, and that's something that I think is part of what is amazing and beautiful about what you created. Injulicious was somebody who is writing about promoting for advocating, like trying to draw people into it. But you are the one that gave people the place to hang out, to get to know each other, to share the things that they found in it and get recognition for what they did, find new places to go to. And given the amount of people that you had and the amount of content, <laughs> it's amazing. I can't even I cannot even begin to imagine the amount of work that must have taken. Well, yeah, I mean, I won't say it wasn't a lot of work, but at the time I had a, a dull job that found very boring. And so, you know, whenever I had spare time, I would work on UER and it was a, it was a labor of love for sure. I mean, if you were to look at the the code base and all of its features now, and you, and you, if you were like, Oh, I'm going to start it over again. Yeah. It's a huge project, but it was built over years with sort of features being added as they were needed or as they, as it made sense. Uh, uh, or as I was like, Oh, this sounds like a cool feature to add, you know? In fact, the the very idea for the location database was an idea by oh, and I'm going to forget the guy's name, but it was it was the friend of a, a guy named Never Too Loud, and uh, and he proposed the idea to me. He said, you know, there's forums and there's sort of blogs, but uh, wouldn't it be cool if there was like a thing where where I could create a location and then other people could go and upload photos and upload information about the same location, kind of like a a shared wiki style page where, where it's shared ownership, same place, but multiple groups of people sort of maintaining the, the information about that. And, and that's what bore the, the location database that we have now with the you know 12,000 locations or whatever it is. How did all of this come to being? I mean, we've covered a little bit about you finding the zine and that being a sort of transformative experience. But like, what was the point where the light bulb went on? You're like this. Yeah, that's a, a really fun story, actually. So I, I had just moved out of my mom's house. I was 19 years old and... I had, I'd, I'd fallen in love with infiltration. I'd bought all the zines and I'd read them all. And I was sort of out on my own for the first time and riding my bike downtown Toronto. And what looms out of the, the fog right in front of me, it's the Canadian malting plant, which is this old, like 1920s or something era building that really doesn't look like it belongs there. It's surrounded by modern glass condos and and parks. And then there's this old rusty concrete 
thing that looks abandoned. It looks out of place. And this thing literally hit me in the face. I'm like, wow, where did this come from? And and I also recognized it because it was in one of the zines I had read, one of the articles in Infiltration. So I uh, got some friends together and I was like, we're going to go check this place out. And we had no idea what we were doing. We had never done anything like this before. I brought a flashlight and we managed to find a way in and, and we got up to the roof and enjoyed the view of the city from up there, which was awesome. And afterwards, I was like, man, I mean, this place is cool, but I really need to see more of it. So at the time, there was this website called UEC, Urban Exploration Canada, run by someone named Asher and someone named Flameout out of Barrie. And they had a guest book on their site, which let anyone post on it. And so it turned into kind of a de facto sort of like mini forum because you could post and then people would reply. So I posted something like, hey, would anyone be available to take me into this place? I've, I was just there. I would love to sort of get a tour from someone who knows where all the secret passages and, and connections are because the place is an absolute labyrinth. And someone named Never Too Loud responded and said, yeah, we would do it. And so they took me in there. And that was kind of how I got started doing real explorations. And, and uh, they took me on a bunch more places. And that's where I, I kind of realized this, this guest book on UEC is just not going to cut it. So the idea for a forum was born. And I knew that if I just made a forum and I said, here's a forum, come use it. It would be an uphill battle because people would be like, well, why should I use your forum? There's other forums out there. Or like, what makes your forum better? So what I did is I approached various websites. I approached Infiltration, Ninjalicious. I approached the people who ran UEC. I approached UEA, UEM, that's Montreal. And I think there was like a total of eight of them. And the offer I made them was, let's have a common forum. It'll be one forum where all of the posts will be the same. All of the users will be the same. All the categories will be the same. However, it will look like your website. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So when you're on UEC and you click forum, it takes you to UER, but it still looks like you're on UEC. It still has the navigation from UEC and the, the things, the sidebar from UEC. And same with infiltration. If you go to infiltration, you click forum, you're actually on UER, but it looks like you're still on infiltration. That's probably why I thought you were you were hosting them because I was exactly. on that. And yeah, so sorry, go on. But uh, no, no, that's it. That's exactly it. And the, the whole theory was it would allow these websites to maintain their individual identities and their own sort of user bases, but yet with a shared community. I didn't want to create eight communities. I wanted to create one community with eight faces. And that's uh, that's how, how UER got started in that way. And that's how it probably got as popular as it did because I basically had these partnerships with these other fairly popular websites. Was there a point where you were like, oh my God, this is really something? The the users kept going up and more and more people kept joining. And I was it was awesome. Like I was just really loving the site and and the challenge of of making it better and adding new features and trying to make it unique. Um, and in case you're wondering, it's it's 100% scratch written. Uh, there's, it's not based on some forum software. And so that's one of the ways I was able to add all sorts of crazy features was because it 
it was my own code base. I could just sort of figure out what I needed to do. One of the things that I feel like I have to bring up and ask you to explain, I mean, I understand about it, but I feel like it's kind of a little joy of the website is stealth mode. Ah, that's the... <laughs> so I think when I was looking for ways to to cover the the cost of UER in terms of its hosting costs, I introduced the premium membership, which you get when you donate five bucks every month. You get a premium, little premium star, a little, little silver cup or whatever it is. And you get some extra features. And one of them was stealth mode, which I think it still works. I'm not actually sure if it still works, but it would make UER look like a boring business website, (laughs) complete with just a very plain black and white color scheme with random graphs and charts inserted throughout the page as you're scrolling. And the idea was that uh, if you were browsing UER at work, then anyone who looked at your screen would just think you were just on some some business website. Absolutely uh, hilarious. It was, it was fun to develop. That's one of the cool things that you find there is there are a lot of these little features and things that both have a sense of humor about them, but are also pretty charming. And I, I mean, hopefully for somebody that was functional too, you know, you might've, you might've got somebody out of trouble with the boss. I hope so. <laughs> How many mods did it take to manage this? I think we never really had more than around 20 I kind of feel bad that this is the first time we've brought up them because, holy crap, that site would not be able to exist without the moderators keeping it going and keeping a handle on things. There is always someone trying to spam that site. There's always someone posting some stupid stuff that just really shouldn't be there. And honestly, the biggest job that they do is just being a point of contact for when someone is like, I don't know how to do this or I need this thing changed or can you help me figure out what's wrong with my account? And they're able to answer those questions. You know, when you have that many users, there's always somebody who has some problem. I look at this and I, and I think to myself, like, my God, how much time must this have taken? How much must it have taken to code it? But then how much must it take to maintain it as well? I mean, I'm sure there were probably points perhaps where after it really had blown up where you were like, oh, my God, what have, what have I done to myself? <laughs> <laughs> There was definitely some some time, I think it was around 2006, where the site was really stressing me out, like to the point where I wasn't able to sleep and had stomach problems and things like that. And it, it wasn't anything to do with like just the maintenance or the coding. It was literally just drama between the various people that had ideas about what a site like this should be. And I don't want to, I don't want to, we could talk about that for hours as from whatever it is I remember, but uh, essentially there was, like I have said before, when you when you have a community of people who are used to sort of not following the rules, they all have different ideas about what it means to be on a site like this. And one of the biggest points of contention sort of continuously was always what should be shared. Everything from people who were like, I will share literally everything. I will share my real name. I will share photos. I will share my location. I will share the exact way that you can get into this place right all the way through to the people who are so secretive that even the mere mention of the name of the building or the, the location that they uh, that is being discussed was a point of problem. Like you, you couldn't even say that there was a mill named such and such in this town because if you posted the name of the mill, they would get upset. Uh, and of course, it was protectionism, right? They they wanted to make sure that 
this location wouldn't wouldn't be burned, that it wouldn't be found out by the owner or by the police or by young vandals that this place existed. And I'm sure there was certainly some amount of kind of like this is my place that was that was part of that. But you know, when you when you put those two types of people together on the same website, you're gonna get fights, you're gonna get drama, and you're gonna get disagreements about how situations like that should be handled. And, you know, we came up with some ideas on, on that and we've got the, uh, you know, the full member system and we've got the fact that there's like some amount of stuff that, that kind of kept gets, gets hidden away. But yeah, as a general rule, that's one of the things I always find a little crazy is you go on YouTube now and you look at websites, sorry, you look at creators like the proper people and they have absolutely stunning content. But it's just posted there, fully public for anyone to see. And I feel like uh, there's a certain amount of secrecy that's that's lost in that way when you do that. A certain amount of like, kind of like keeping it to yourself, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> we had in, in the uh, first season of my podcast, we actually had a discussion on that as kind of like the biggest point of contention yeah, among people who explore things. And you had basically said, look, it's okay if people are going to post something, if they're going to say what the location is, we're going to keep the entry point out yep. of the discussion. But if if somebody got, comes onto the board and they're new and they put it on, I'm not going to have them being bullied about it, which right. is a whole different set of concerns than somebody like me would have to deal with when I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to post the locations of these places. But I also don't have to deal with somebody attacking somebody for not conforming to what their set of standards is. And I want to point out, too, because I think this is really to your credit about how difficult moderating is. And just in looking at this from the outside, your baseline really seems to be about building a community with kindness and respect for others and an aversion to that bullying. And I was actually going to ask if it was something that took a toll in terms of stress in relation to this. I mean, you kind of answered that a little bit. It seems like that would be an incredibly difficult thing. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely times where, so when I first started the site, because it was this sort of democratic kind of like multi-home thing with multiple, you know, websites and Ninjalicious was often involved in the early decisions and stuff. And once, once he was gone, there were a lot of people who were like trying to interpret his will, myself included. And one of the the downsides of trying to be democratic is that sometimes it's just not possible to please everybody. Sure. And so a lot of that stress came from me trying to find resolutions that would please everybody when such a resolution was simply not possible. Right. And in the end, there was a breaking point where I was actually going to give up control of the site. I would, I was going to step down as the the sort of man in charge. I was going to keep running it from a from a technical point of view, but I would let an elected team of, of moderators essentially make the decision of, of how the site should run, what the rules should be, things like that. And this was going to be the plan, but then even that people had issues with. And in the end, what, what finally turned the tide for me is I put up a poll that was sort of a site-wide poll. It showed up at the top of the site and kind of couldn't ignore it. And it asked a simple question. It was something like, how do you think UER should be run? A, it should be democratically. It should be B, it should be an elected sort of board. C, it should be run by by one guy. And the last option was, 
I really don't care. I'm just here to explore. And the poll results came back and it was something like 98%. I don't care. Right. And I think what I realized at that time was that all of my stress and all of my issues were being caused by a, a relatively small, but vocal minority on the site. And I, it was at that point that I essentially made the decision. I'm just going to run this site the way I think makes the most sense. I'm going to be fair, but strict. And if you don't like it, you can just leave. And basically anyone who continued to be a problem, I would just kick them out. And that was that. And immediately my stress levels went down and everything just kind of worked. I have to say, as somebody who has had uh, similar experiences with more with social media or whatever, and has really reached a similar conclusion, which is, you know, you, you have to look out for your insanity. You have to look out for the overall user experience. You have to look out for uh, your own enjoyment of it, I think, in some senses. I mean, you can't, you kind of can't be at a point where you loathe dealing with this monster that you have now created. And, and exactly, I'm sorry that you had to deal with this kind of ephemeral idea of what Ninjalicious's will would be and measure yourself up against that when at the same time you were still processing your own grief because good lord that's rough i mean that's that's brutal it was it was tough because previously in those kinds of situations he was always the voice of reason and i i could probably dig through some of our admin there's a there's a hidden forum for the administration of the site in which you know he posted a bunch and i bet i could find a bunch of conversations in there where there was some heated argument and then he came in and said something reasonable that addressed both sides of the issue and made everyone feel like they had been heard. And certainly at that time in my life, I did not have those skills. So, you know, again, he was 10 years older than me and I definitely missed that. That's probably where I missed him the most is his ability to just come in and be diplomatic and find a solution or at least, at least deescalate the situation. And once he was gone, that de-escalation was gone and it it was the site, the site and my sanity suffered for it for sure. Sure. Well, I mean, in that sense, you're kind of living in the shadow of what people are conjecturing that he would do or how he would look at it or what he would have interpreted things as. And, oh man, that's, that's, you know, and it's not like he left a, a manifesto or a will or something of like, you know, what he, he felt. He always, he always tried to encourage people to sort of, do what, what made the most sense in terms of resolutions for themselves or, or like he, he wasn't, he wasn't a dictator. He wasn't like, this is how it should be done. My will is the way he would just try to help find solutions. So it's any kind of posthumous edict from him wouldn't have made sense. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't his way. Well, and the other thing too, is that, I mean, you know, when you're dealing with something like this early on in the foundation, I guess, of the, what we would consider the modern internet or social spaces on the internet. I don't think there was necessarily as much of a sense of how contentious people could or would be. And so it's entirely likely that had he gone on and continued being a moderator uh, and, and not passed away, that he would have been dealing with these same issues and same stresses. So unfortunately, that's just something everybody has to deal with now. In 2018, you shut down the politics board. And I'm assuming that was kind of like for similar reasons, because it was just like too much. Yeah, um, I think we had 
So I think that the there was a rule on the site which said no politics on the site, period. And I mean, the reason was, you know, if you give people an inch, they'll take a mile. And politics is one of those things you literally just can't have a reasonable discussion on the internet about. Like, you're never going to post something that'll make a Republican go, you know, you're right. I'm a Democrat now. It's just never going to happen. So I think that we had delegated that to the politics board. And in the end, although I don't remember the specific reasons why we shut it down, it was probably just yet another place where people were just absolutely at each other's throats all the time. And, you know, the the, the reality is it's a private website. It's not, we're, we're not required to provide a place for every possible topic. There are so many places you can argue about politics with, with people if you want to that are outside of this website. So <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. That's that's a thing that I have I have really had to deal with in my own social media is the people that want to make every single thing a fight. And you're like, look, I just want to share some stuff. You know, this is yep. <laughs> I mean, there's a certain amount of politics and things that are inherent, you know, and like if you're talking about the history of a place, for example, and you're saying, oh, sure. Oh, you know, this state hospital was closed because Reagan you know, shut down all the state hospitals. That type of stuff was never banned. It was more just like actual arguments about like, oh, you know, like like politics not relating to urban exploration. Sure. The flip side of that is people that are looking at like the Packard plant, which closed in, I think, like the 1950s off the top of my head. And they're like, thanks, Obama. And you're like, he probably wasn't even <laughs> born then, you know, <laughs> like. This, yeah, that, that, that university let's blame in. the entire the entire fall of the Detroit auto industry on the Democrats. I, yeah. <laughs> yes. But there are people who will try and do it, right? And that's the type of stuff that if you don't keep a handle on it, people will just go crazy. I have fairly decent social media presence, but like, gosh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine in comparison. And then you have the people that are like, okay, well, you know, you clearly stated these rules and I clearly broke them, but you're a dictator. <laughs> Honestly, the, the biggest problem was people who would just barely stay within the framework of the rules. Sure. So it was one of those, anyone looking at them would be like, yeah, they're clearly a problem, but what rule are they breaking? And yeah, and those were tough because you don't want to be arbitrary, right? You don't want to, you know, you want to, you want to be consistent in a hobby like urban exploration, which, which literally prides itself on breaking the rules just enough to get what you want, but not actually like you're, you're generally not going to try to get into a situation where you're, you're going to go to jail, right? You have to respect those people to some degree, but also you have a website to run. And if this person is, or people, and it's, it's certainly been more than one over the years is, is literally ruining the site for everyone, then something has to be done. You know, there's, there's no need for that kind of stuff to, to be allowed to continue. You talk about like a standardized code of ethics and listening to you talk about experiences, like you were talking about being with people that were taking things from sites, right? And, you know, if a cop stops you or you get caught, the cop isn't going to say, oh, well, you stole that thing, but, you know, the rest of you can go. And that is literally, <laughs> literally a thing I have said to people. And yet probably the most the most frustrating thing I have with that. And, you know, I get it. People want a souvenir or they, you know, whatever. But like on, on many exploration trips I took with people, we would go and explore some factory or something and they'd be like, oh, this is a really cool knickknack. And they would take it. And by the time we got back to my house, they'd forget it there. The novelty <laughs> of the item 
had already been lost. And, you know, obviously that's not always the case, but I ended up inheriting a bunch of these, these, these stupid knickknacks that I didn't want in the first place because they just, they were like, well, I don't really want it. It's too big. It's too bulky. It's dirty. It's, it's not as interesting as I thought it was, whatever it is. Right. So it's, it's kind of a shame because now that knickknack is no longer at the site. And yeah, I know people will say, well, if I don't take it, the next guy will. But I mean, you know, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll get to see it. I, I'm sure you've explored places that have been full of cool stuff that got left behind. And I bet you that's a lot more fun to explore than just an empty warehouse. Right. And that's exactly, I would say, my reasoning behind it. One thing is because, yeah, you're hopping up to burglary charges. You know, that's that's a yep. significant <laughs> step. And the second is because there's a certain magic to discovering a thing in a place, whether it's an old medicine bottle or, or papers that are of no value. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to everybody and say that there haven't been points in my life where particularly with paperwork, you know, if there was- can I tell you one of my, one of my favorite uh, explorers as an aside here that has to do with finding stuff in a place. Sure. It was an abandoned soap factory that had been closed for some three years or so because there was a, it's a long story, but there was a strike. And anyway, the, the factory was shut down and it still had power. And we're, we're wandering around and we enter this room that has like really old looking computers. And next to the computer is a dot matrix printer, the kind that has the paper that comes on like a, like a, it's called tractor paper. Basically it has the little holes mm-hmm. and it gets fed into the printer out of a, out of a carton. And I look at the, the output from the printer, which is, which is, you know, still coming out of the printer there. It's like sitting there and it has today's date on it. And I'm like, wow, this was printed today. And I look at the, the, the next one and it was yesterday. And I look at the next one, it was the two days ago. And I look on the floor and there's a stack, uh, probably four inches thick of reports. This printer has been printing a report every day for years. My goodness. And, and there was still enough paper left in the box for it to continue for another many years. And I don't know, man, I just love, I love finding that. And I think if someone had come in there and stolen that printer or like ripped out the paper or something, it would have really sullied that experience for me. And of course I didn't take it. I left it as is. So uh, who knows if how many other people got to see the, the, the never ending printer that's still printing reports today, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are the things that allow you to actually experience and form a relationship with a place. And the more of them are yeah. gone, the harder it is to do it. That reminds me just tangentially because you're talking about soap, not quite the same <laughs> thing, but there is, there is one of my favorite not taking a thing stories was I was at a Pennsylvania prison and was in the, the shower area and they have this block of green soap that says, Big house soap. So even the soap that you have is reminding you, hey, you're in a prison, buddy. Wow. I was thinking, you know, I got permission to be in here. Like I could ask somebody if I could have it. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that when I leave. And so I'm taking pictures and everything. And and by the end of the time, which I would say I was in there maybe 15 minutes in that particular area. By the end of the time, I was like, wait a minute. Where have you been, little soap? Where have you been? Do I want What's you? What's your story? Yeah, right. Like what, what orifices have you visited? I don't, <laughs> I don't. And the other thing is if you take that soap and you put it on your shelf at home, 
yeah, okay, you'll have a you'll be able to point to it and say, look, there's a soap from a prison. But somehow it's lost its its sort of connection to the building it was in. Sure. And, and I think a, a photo of the soap will be just as powerful. I agree with you 100%. And I mean, I, I love museums. I absolutely am a huge supporter of museums. But I feel like one of the key differences that you have between a museum where you look at a collection of random objects and say, okay, this one was found in an old car factory in you know Detroit or whatever, versus being in the car factory in Detroit and seeing it, right. is that ability to have the actual situation of the place and the context around it inform it. And you're 100% right. I take pictures of them, and I feel like that's the thing that I've I've come to do over the years and I'm, I'm glad of it because I don't have the space. I don't have the space <laughs> for all this stuff. And I mean, if you're actually building a museum of a prison, then yeah, that's a good place to put the soap along with the photos because chances are the prison is gone or not accessible. But I don't know. I think I'll, I will get just as much joy looking at a photo in the context, well lit of the soap than just a bar of soap sitting on your shelf. Cause eventually you're going to be like, am I really going to keep this soap and you're going to throw it out? Yeah. Or, or my, my wife is going to use it and it's not going to say big house anymore. And it's just going to be a, <laughs> a big old block of soap. Chalk another orifice up. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of these different views of things. And, and I always say like, particularly when it comes to taking things from places, there are people out there that are like, look, this place is going to get torn down. It's going to wind up in a yep. landfill. It's better Someone if... Someone else is going to take yeah, it. Yeah, these know, old psych magazines are better in my place than they are in the landfill. And I can't entirely argue that because I've seen it happen. So... Yeah, it's true. And I mean, I guess if there was... Let's say you go in a room and there's 100 widgets of some object and you just take one. Like, yeah, okay, it's probably fine, honestly. If there's 100 of them, you've not really... You ruin the experience. But what if everyone takes one? Well, now there's no more widgets. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if it's literally getting torn down tomorrow, then, you know, yeah, fine, do it. But all those other things still apply. Like, if you get caught, you're probably going to have a harder time explaining, oh, no, I'm just here for photos. Right. You know, that's that's exactly, I think, where the buck stops with me is that I don't want the burglary charges. I feel like Morally, it's easier to leave things than to try and figure out the back and forth of whether they belong there or not. You were talking about the experience of being with people that took things out. I've I've had similar experiences where there were people that I was with and uh, and they had a house, like an apartment full of found, let's say, objects. And then I said, hey, look, could you just not do that? Like if we're going out, I didn't really know them at all at that point. And were like, oh, you want us to leave our tools? And I was like, oh, that's not good. And then the next day when I went out with them, uh, there was like an old prison. They're taking like transoms and locks out of the doors and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't like this because I'm just there to observe and appreciate. But second of all, my goodness, if if we get caught, that's that's really bad news. So anyway, the point is, you know, when we're talking about running a website and having to deal with conflicting ideas, it's tremendously difficult to draw a line and say, I'm going to create this community for people. And these are my views on things. This is what I'm going to allow. And this is yeah. what I think really is too far. And obviously we can't stop people. But what we can do is try to reinforce, you know, the old Sierra Club motto take only pictures, leave only footprints. And also like if someone posts like, Hey, I've been stealing shit. uh, That was a reason for a ban. And there were many people where they would post stuff like that. 
or we would find out about it or they'd brag about it somewhere else. And then they, people would report it to us and we'd investigate and then we'd, we'd kick them out of the site. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And part of it was also that uh, the, the full membership system that UER has it was supposed to be this sort of, I don't want to use the word trusted because that that has way too many implications. There's, there's, no, there's no real way to know that someone is trusted, but it is supposed to be at least some kind of a tiered system to, so that you need to you need to sort of prove yourself as an explorer, as someone of, of some repute who's hopefully not going to be stealing shit before we're going to give you full access to the whole site. Sure. That and a, a few other things were, were some of the, the sort of solutions that we had to try to placate these very real concerns by explorers who, who had very, very sort of unique locations that they were, you know, understandably somewhat concerned with, with being shared online. Uh, you know, they, they'd seen it too many times. Stuff goes missing, stuff gets smashed, and pretty soon the place is not what it used to be. And that's the line that's very hard to walk. I feel like that's something that has been a challenge for me. It's been a challenge for many of the people that I know. I know people that are radically different and where the point that I'm at. And also, I'm kind of constantly always questioning my own views and ethics on that as well. Like, say, for example, I'm going to talk about Holmesburg Prison in Philadelphia, and I can say, well, you're not getting into that if you don't have permission. But these are all arbitrary moral lines that I've drawn well, that was another thing that we had a rule against was posting your point of entry, both because it makes it too easy for uh, an authority figure like a you know the owner of the property or whatever to, to go and find it and lock it back up again, but also just to make sure there was no no confusion that there was we did not encourage any kind of breaking and entering. Uh, you know, yeah, okay, you show up at a place and the the window is smashed, you're gonna you're gonna take the opportunity, but certainly we wouldn't say you should go and smash windows to get into places. And that was another one of those ethics things. Like there were many times where I ex- I went out on an explorer and I ended up getting nowhere because every door was locked and every window was closed. And that was the end of that. And it sucks because you really wanted to see what that place was like, but so it goes, you know, come back another day. Nobody wants to drive four hours to go to a place that they can't get into because they sealed it up right beforehand. But I'm with you on that. I feel like leave things as you found them is kind of my my key thing. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take one more break for a sure. couple minutes. And then when we come back, I want to kind of talk about looking back at the last 20 years of UER and your feelings on that. <laughs> so, yeah, let's take a break and we'll be back in a moment. Hi, this is Matthew Christopher, creator of the Abandoned America book series, website, and the podcast you're listening to. Thanks for listening, and I hope you're enjoying it so far. If you are, and you'd like to support the podcast and help keep it going, there are three things you can do that'll really help out. The first is simple. Just tell your friends and family about it, or leave a positive review on your podcast platform if they support it. Good word of mouth makes a huge difference. Second, If you'd like to hear early episodes and see exclusive essays and photos that aren't on my website yet, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash abandonedamerica. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash abandonedamerica. Third, if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, just drop me a note at admin at abandonedamerica.org. That's a-d-m-i-n at 
abandonedamerica.org. Every little bit counts, and I've got some really exciting episodes that I think you'll love coming up. Don't forget, you can also visit my website, abandonedamerica.us, for tons of photo galleries and background info on hundreds of abandoned sites, or order my two Abandoned America books from your favorite retailer. We are back with Avatar X, and I wanted to start this segment with something that you wrote about why you founded UER, because it really resonated with me. I'm I'm just now realizing that you've apparently trawled through my post history. Oh, I have. I researched things. (laughs) You probably know me better than I know myself. (laughs) Well, the thing is that, you know, like I like to actually go into discussions not completely blind. With Ninjalicious, I had articles and things like that to read about his work, but you, sir or your forum posts. And this one I thought was pretty great and talked about the foundation of UER. You wrote, so many different people visit a location over the course of time and they all have their own experiences, stories. They take their own photos and have their own impressions of a place. Maybe they went in the winter instead of the summer. Maybe the place has changed since the last time someone was there. I wanted a place to collect all those photos, stories, and information, sort of like Wikipedia, except for places and with more structure rather than freeform pages, an emphasis on providing a free place to host photos not considered a big deal now, but pretty revolutionary in 2003. Make it categorized by location so people can find things near them. Make it searchable and filterable so you can find the type of places you like. Make it so you can ignore areas you don't care about and make it so you can subscribe to places to keep an eye on the updates. Fully integrate a read state system so you know the instant a new comment, photo, or anything else was added or changed. And at this point, you know, we're at we're at 20 years. What would you say that the accomplishments that you are proudest of are? That's a good question. I think that one of my goals with with specifically with the location database, which is what that post was talking about was to provide not just a place for for that what was what I said there which was you know the the collected experiences and stories but also as an archive mm-hmm. and I think that that has worked there are many many places around the world that now exist pretty much only in the location database and maybe with some various collected forum posts somewhere and these are places that have have either been renovated or more more in more cases have been torn down and so their history is lost and it still exists on UER. And I kind of like that as an archive. And, and I'm happy that that has turned out to be true because that was one of the original goals was that buildings may physically die, but they can live on on this website in, in photo and, and memory form, you know, for better or for worse. Some of the entries are not as good as others for sure. But other than that, I'm just I'm just really proud of the fact that somehow through various bits of luck and planning this this and and definitely the dedicated moderator team who continues to run things this site is still around and still providing just as much of a resource as it was 20 years ago even if the the way that people use the internet has changed uh you know in 2002 nobody even had a smartphone never mind one that had an internet connection right and sometimes i think about like i would love to just spend the time giving the site the love it needs in terms of like a redesign new new interface, more modern back-end technology, and so on. 
but I just, I, I don't have the time for it personally. And I don't know if it needs it, honestly. I think that the type of people who would continue to use a forum don't really care what it looks like. And the type of people who have never even heard of a forum and their only experience is, is Facebook uh, would probably not switch to something like UER. So I think it's going to it's going to live the way it the way it is now for as long as I can keep it going. And maybe one day when it doesn't make sense to run it anymore, I'll just keep it online as a as an as a sort of a static archive. But as long as I can host it, I'll I'll keep it on the web. So I'm I'm kind of proud of the the legacy that it's built for itself and the connections that it's enabled. I kind of have those struggles with my own admittedly much smaller website in terms of updating and things like that. But I mean, the hope of creating a place that is a time capsule that that keeps the places that are a part of it and is serves in memory of them as something that's very important to me as well. It actually, uh, there was a point in time where I was thinking about making it like a contributor website too, probably without the forum part, because that seems scary and too much for me. But, <laughs> you know, I never had the uh, the means or the knowledge really to create that, but I sure am glad you did. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I sure am glad that you did, because I think that's great. But also, I think there's something important about keeping it of the period in which it has been most influential and most meaningful to people because it is an archive in that sense. Somehow it's fitting that a website that is mainly dedicated to abandoned buildings is itself not abandoned, but certainly a very retro design. Uh, And here's a little test for you. Uh, If you have an ad blocker that shows you how many ads this have been blocked on the site you're on, on UER, it will show zero. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely kind of uh, a design of a bygone era. This this type of site, and and I, I kind of miss some parts of of that. I do wish it worked better on phones, though. God help me, my website has ads on it in Google Analytics, and it's, it's <laughs> that's fine. It makes I mean, these days it's very rare to not have that. Right? No, no, no. It's I'm ashamed of it. Don't, don't take that <laughs> from me. <laughs> well, I, I will. I will give a shout out here because we're very lucky that, gosh, seven years ago, I think the owner of Beanfield approached me and said, hey, if you need co-location space, I'd be happy to offer it. I like your site. And I took him up on that offer. And so uh, the, the site's sort of ongoing hosting costs are paid for by Beanfield, which is a local ISP in Toronto. They're excellent, excellent company. And um, so that, that essentially makes it so uh, I don't have to really, it doesn't really cost me anything to run the site I still pay for all the hardware, so whenever there's something wrong with the server, I have to I have to pay for that. But uh, you know, it's fine. It's been nice to not have to worry about that. Well, looking back at the retrospective aspect of things, what would you do differently if you had the chance? Sometimes I wish I had I'd sort of had more time for the site over the last you know 15 or so years, which is about how long it's been since I've really had kind of a real motivation to to work on the site. Mostly the reasons for that are, are are professional. I just don't have as much free time anymore. But I don't know. I think that that would be that my biggest my biggest sort of like complaint is that sometimes I feel like I don't give the site the 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 love it deserves. I was in my early twenties and very very stubborn and headstrong back then. So there's definitely some some fights. I I would have I would, if I could go back. I would I would avoid or or change. I try not to um, try to rewrite the past. You know I. I Things I, I'm happy where I am in my life, and I'm I'm happy that UER was a part of that. So, 
I don't think I would change too much. So you tapered off on active posting. I, I did notice that. And, you know, you mentioned that you're working on other projects. Are there any other projects that you'd care to share with us on either general or specific terms? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is I, I feel like if you're an urban explorer, you're never not an urban explorer. Like it's one of those things that it's not like, uh, I don't know, scuba diving where you might stop doing it or whatever. Urban exploring, I think, is one of those things where even if you're not actively going and sneaking into buildings, you're you're always thinking about it. You're you're always like you see it in a movie or you you see a post online or you watch a video on YouTube and you're just like, man, that's awesome. In a way that like people who who don't really get it don't ever really quite understand. You know, I've I've shown people photos and I've I've seen, look at this. I went inside this this building and they'd be like, but why? A bit well, because it's cool. Look at this old stuff. And they'd be like, but that's just old rusty crap. I'm like, yeah, but and they just don't get it. So I think I'm I'm always going to be an explorer in that sense. However, I find myself with less time than ever before to actually do it. It doesn't help that they tore down all the interesting buildings in Toronto and replaced them with condos. That's how it goes here. Yeah, I, I found myself, while I still love the idea of exploring, just like with less and less both time and inclination to actually go and do it. So I've just been been working more. I've been closer with friends and I've been volunteering my time with with various other things. I'm a, I'm a part of the furry community. And so I spend a lot of time volunteering at conventions and uh, and helping out, things like that. And, and I run my own events as well. So uh, one way or another, I seem to always be be busy doing some kind of community stuff. So my final questions here are, what do you see the role of UER after the rise of social media? I mean, how, first of all, how do you feel about the state of urban exploration today? Yeah, I think I think it's definitely lost a lot of the community that it used to have uh, on sites like UER or, or even just like UER existed at a time when there were literally dozens of essentially private sort of photo blog slash photo journal sites. Some of them are still around, but most of them are gone. And that's kind of all been replaced with Instagram and Twitter and YouTube. And while, yes, the production quality of these these videos and the photos are absolutely incredible, not to disparage them in any way, what's not there is the community. YouTube comments is not a community. Yes, you can have a Facebook group, but it's just kind of it doesn't have the same kind of, I don't think it has the same level of connection as a sort of dedicated website that is specifically for these things. And I feel like the people who who just use those services are doing themselves a disservice. They don't really realize what they're missing. I'm not necessarily saying UER is the solution, but I think that these days, the the way we interact with social media, it's just, it's fleeting and it's sort of, What's the word I'm looking for here? Like, it's just, you're just on the surface, you know? You, you look at a beautiful photo, you click the like button and you move on. Your total investment is, you know, two seconds in that post. Uh, whereas when you look at a, a thread where someone has really written almost like a magazine style story about a location, about an explorer, about an adventure, that's the type of thing that just doesn't really exist anywhere else. And then it's not just the story, but it's the interaction afterwards. People will post and they'll ask questions and they'll be like, oh, I was here also. And here's my story. And, and there's kind of a shared sort of experience that I don't think is quite replicated on social media. And Hey, I'm not, I'm not some kind of techno Luddite here. Social media is, is wonderful for what it's good at. And I think for, for the types of things that, that Twitter does a good job at Twitter is just fine. But I think that for things that 
of this nature, I don't think it's it's the best place for sharing this kind of content. And I feel like there's there's people who are who are kind of missing out on the community aspects. My observations, kind of looking back, because I, I did a, a, a bunch of soul searching. It was it was a little melancholy today, you know, looking back at where things were at like 20 years ago versus now. And I think there used to be more of like this kind of punk rock sense. And that's not a thing of the moment anymore. Now, urban exploration as, as a whole is more mainstream. It's less centralized and there's less community. And, and one of the things that I kind of observed with it is that the sense of community is really fragmented. There's people that are like the Instagram photographers, people that are the YouTube video people. The point is that I think a lot of these things have broken into communities based on the medium that they're shared on and then uh, sub-communities based on that. So like, you know, you could be an Instagram, but like you, you don't know who all the people are. And that was one of the things that UER really excelled at was you knew if you met this person, they probably knew this, this, and this person, and those people knew this, this, and that person, they were all on UER. They were all sharing their stuff on UER. The last thing that I sort of ask on this is in that radio show where you and Ninjalicious were talking in 2005, Ninjalicious said that he thought things would improve 20 years in the future. He said, you know, uh, that he thought that we would be looking at a much brighter area for the community today. Um, I realize we're not really at 20 years now, but almost. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you feel the same way still? I don't think so. Honestly, uh, obviously that interview came before the rise of, of modern social media. And I don't know if anyone could have predicted that necessarily. Uh, I mean, even, even as, as sort of things were happening, there's always been like Yahoo groups or, alternative places for people to, to to meet. But I think that it really depends what you want out of urban exploration. If, if you're looking to just share your, your photos with as wide of an audience as possible and get likes, then yeah, the current landscape is perfect for that. But if you're looking to actually connect with other explorers and possibly find people to explore with, find people to connect with, when, when you're in their country or in their city, I think that, that the current media landscape is, is sort of the opposite of what you want for that kind of a connection. In fact, I think it makes that kind of connection almost impossible. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a bunch of explorers out there who have found their exploring buddies by random followers on Twitter. Maybe, maybe that's what's happened. I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm, maybe I'm a little disconnected from, from the way the community works today. I'm here shaking my cane, you know, so, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, Ninjalicious was, was an optimist for sure. So I feel like he would have been happy with the way things are, no matter how they turned out. Uh, I don't want to try to, to put words in his mouth or anything like that, but he, he was always excited about, about the way things could be. Yeah. I mean, I get that sense too. I, I get the sense that he had the, uh, soul of an optimist, you know, and, that is that is a beautiful thing. I think that was something that was very clear always in his work. But yeah, I, I wonder about a lot of the issues that you're talking about now, too. So is there anything else that you'd like to direct people to or uh, questions that you had, things you'd like to bring up before we wrap up for the session? Uh, I don't know. You've asked all sorts of really great questions. And I I don't know if people I guess what if people have any more specific questions or they can post them on UER. Yeah. Sometimes I think like one day this site's going to die and yet people still register. People still post. 
Sure, it's not as much as it was during its heyday, but it's still a dedicated core group of people. And it makes me happy to see that it still gets use. I think there's still a niche in this world for a site like UER to fill. And it, it makes me happy to see that it is still filling that niche. I agree. And I'm so glad it's out there for people to enjoy and learn from. Avatar X, thank you so much for being here with me today. And if folks want to visit your website, they can go to uer.ca. I'll also put the link in the show notes and on my site. Hope all of you listeners are doing well, and thanks for joining us for another episode of the Abandoned America podcast. See you all again in two weeks.